In 2018, Amazon's share of the U.S. e-commerce market hit 49%. That's 5% of all retail sales across the country. That's nearly half of all e-commerce sales in the country. They did this by giving people what they want. A convenient way to shop, personalized service, and fast delivery. Oh, and they've built a infrastructure that can't be beat. What can the wine industry learn from this? What are the common mistakes and what tools are available? On today's episode, I interview a gentleman whose experience in winery e-commerce spans 15 years with unparalleled insights. Emma and I discuss common winery pitfalls with James Marshall Berry, Sarah Horner, and Jeff Stye. And our tip of the week is how to improve SEO for your website and increase traffic. I'm Michael Wingbickler, and it's time to hit the bottle. Welcome to Hit the Bottle Podcast, a practical guide to beverage marketing through the lens of strategy, technology, and leadership. From exploring the buyer journey to leveraging modern public relations, to how marketing automation is changing the way we engage with customers. Hit the Bottle goes above and beyond the ordinary to ask and answer the right questions. Each week we chat with industry experts, explore practical applications, and discuss the newest trends. All to provide you with the insights and strategies you need to create successful marketing programs. It's time to hit the bottle. My next guest has been working on winery e-commerce since 2004. He was the first programmer at eWinery Solutions, now VinSuite. He founded Vin65 in 2008, and it quickly became one, one of the leading e-commerce platforms, being acquired by WineDirect in 2012. After nearly four years with WineDirect, where he finished as president, he launched Commerce 7 in December 2017. Andrew believes deeply in the customer experience and in pushing the bar with technology. He also spends his spare time at the gym and looks like he could break your arm with a look. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Andrew Campus. Hey, thanks, Mike. Uh, thanks for having me on today. Thanks a ton for joining me. So before we get um, too far into the interview, can you share with the listeners how they might be able to contact you? Yeah, Mike, our website is commerce7.com. Uh, you could also email info at commerce7.com. Myself personally, I'm Andrew at commerce7.com. Social handles for Facebook and Twitter are all at commerce17. Great. So the reason I asked you on uh, the show today was to talk about um, winery e-commerce. So can you just kind of give us a brief overview of where we are with winery e-commerce currently? And where you see things moving? Yeah, sure. Let's, um, let's take a step back a second and just look at retail in general. If we look at uh, William Sonoma, who's a mid to high-end kitchenware, probably attracting the same crowd that you want to attract for your wines. They have 600 stores across America. 40% of their business is done online today, even with all those retail outlets. Uh, take another person, someone like John Fluvog, uh, mid to high-end shoes. They have 20 stores in America. More than half their sales come from online e-commerce. Today, wineries are focused on their product. They're focused on tasting rooms. The tasting room experience has gotten really good. They're progressing their clubs. But yet today, only 10% of their DTC sales come from, from e-commerce. We look at e-commerce as just a giant opportunity for wineries. Uh, wineries are stretched pretty thin today, but I believe that e-commerce it's just a huge opportunity for them. Where do you think things are, are going from here in terms of e-commerce? Wineries today, you know, a good winery today will, you'll come to the tasting room, you'll have a great experience. They'll capture your email address. And then from there, they'll go on to emailing you. They'll uh, try and sell you product throughout the year. That's a good strategy to start with. And a number of wineries are implementing that. But as we look at e-commerce in general, it's getting a lot more personable. Uh, you know, 
when you go to amazon.com for instance they show you the products that you want to see they know a ton of stuff about you and i we're starting to see wineries uh, do that right now i think uh so personal is a is number one thing creating a better customer experience just looking at ways that we can improve that checkout experience, ways that we can improve improve our club experience online. And so we're seeing wineries start to look at what's going on at Shopify, look at what's going on at Blue Apron and Dollar Shave Club. They're looking at what's going on at Amazon and they're taking notes from that. And that's where things are headed. So how does Commerce 7 um, take a unique approach to, to e-commerce? I wouldn't say that our approach is really that unique. Uh, that unique. We are just looking at what the best in the world are doing. So we're looking at what that Amazon's doing. We're looking at what Shopify's doing. We're looking at what Dollar Shave Club's doing. We're looking at what Blue Apron's doing. And we're mimicking those experiences. So at Commerce 7, we're really focused on the customer, the customer experience. We know the world and the digital is changing crazy fast. For example, you know, when I was at eWinery, which is now Vince Wheat, we had a very heavy checkout. It took, you know, it was pretty, pretty intense checkout. When I started uh, Vince 65, which is now uh, Wine Direct, we took that checkout and we streamlined it to one page. You know, at Commerce 7 today, we have a one-click checkout, which is something that Amazon invented long ago, and it just took us a while to get there. But right now, if a customer is a repeat customer on your site, they can have a one-click checkout. That's awesome, on, especially on mobile. Take something else, the user choice club. When I was at VIN65, we had started a user choice club. And it was a great first start, but the UI wasn't that friendly. At Commerce 7, we've really focused on that customer experience. We've redone the UI several times. We're redoing it again. And we're looking at people like Blue Apron and how do you pick your meals on Blue Apron? And shouldn't we be picking our wine in our club in a similar manner? And so that, those are the things that we're looking at and how we're taking our approach today. So we're just looking at what's going on, what the best in the world is out there. And we're basically bringing that to wine. So can you give me an example of, of how that would work in, in the wine space? Yeah, well, let's talk about, um, you know, one of my favorite clubs is Dollar Shave Club, yeah, for too. instance. In Dollar Shave Club, I I get uh, four razors uh, every four weeks. If you've seen pictures of me, you know that I use these razors <laughs> quite well. Uh, so every four weeks, they send, me, uh, they send me four razors, but ahead of time, they send me an email and they ask me, would I like any shave butter? Just yeah. one click at it, right? Would I like some oral health product? Just right. one click at it. And this is something that wineries forever, wineries have been doing clubs since the 70s or even before that time. And, you know, it's something that we could learn from how Dollar Shave Club interacts with their club. The other thing that's really cool is Dollar Shave Club knows my needs and that I need four razors every four weeks. Wineries in the past have always done clubs on their schedule. Oh, they're going to do a club in the fall and the spring. I look at wine drinkers and I look at what Club W or Wink is doing and they're doing four bottles every four weeks and that's fantastic. It gives me a bottle a week to drink and I think that we're going to watch wineries here uh, and we're already starting to see wineries take something as simple as their club and look at what Dollar Shave Club's doing and going, how can I one-click add something from an email to my next club shipment? How can I deliver wine on a schedule that my customer wants more than on a schedule that's around my production schedule? And so we're starting to see really focusing on the customer rather than the product itself. Uh, that's fantastic. You know, it's, uh, I have a similar, you know, I, I like Dollar Shave Club as well, but I don't shave quite as much as you do. Um, in fact, in fact um, I have uh, I have a, um, a company I work, a company I, I get my beard products from called Live Bearded. And they uh, they also will send stuff to you when you need it. And again, you know, they will do the same thing that the doll shave club will do and like, Hey, you know, would you like to add this to your next shipment? Um, but the thing that I really love about, um, about live bearded is the fact that I, you know, when I, when I submit an order, um, for that, then it's like, boom, it's out the door like the next day. I mean, the fulfillment is just super strong. And so I'm wondering if you're seeing, you know, I mean, this is a, going a little far afield from, from e-commerce, but, but it is part of the overall experience that a, that a customer has. So do you see things moving in that direction in wine where it's almost on demand? 
Well, the delivery experience is really important. Like Amazon has taught us that, that same day, next day delivery. And if you think about it, when are you thinking about your Friday barbecue? You're thinking about your Friday barbecue with your friends and who's coming over for dinner. You're thinking about that on Tuesday or Wednesday. And that's about the time that you're going to go grab your meat. And it's probably about the time when you want to grab your alcohol and your wine to drink. And so the on-demand, um, we've seen Naked Wines in the past experiment with some same-day shipping in San Francisco. We've seen uh, all of these. With a club, it's a little easier because, you know, those are recurring shipments. So you can plan that a little bit ahead. But with the actual e-commerce, for, for sure, the delivery experience really, really matters. I remember uh, not this past Christmas, but the Christmas before this, I bought my wife a purse uh, for Christmas. And she tracked that package every single day that I was on it, shipment away from, coming from her. So I look at people, they're tracking their package more than ever. Uh, Joe, who was my mentor at Wine Direct, he'd often say the information about the package is as important as the package itself. So getting that delivery experience right is really, really important. And I, uh, yeah, it's all faster now. So people are wanting faster and fulfillment houses like pack and ship, like wine shipping, like wine direct all allow you to do to, to expedite your delivery experience and also to give your customer the information around that entire delivery. Have you seen, uh, I'm not sure if you've been on Opus One, um, their website today allows you to, to select the day that you'd like to have that wine delivered to you. So, which is a really cool experience to have in the United States, especially if I'm a teacher or I'm in a profession where I have a day off a week or something, and I want to have a bottle delivered to me on a Friday or on a Monday, uh, Opus will allow you to select that, that uh, delivery date. Oh, that's now, fantastic. Uh, the delivery that's date. great customer so that's service right cool. there. So, um, so what are some of the challenges that, wineries might face in implementing like an integrated e-commerce solution. What are some of the, what are some of some of the major things they need to look out for? Well, there's so many things uh, for, for a winery uh, with DTC, you know, time, money, some kind of times can be overwhelming to accomplish. Uh, DTC wineries often have small teams. They're struggling to find the right partner, finding the right software solution, no partner out there is the best at accommodating everything. Uh, there's a lot of choice and finding your way through the maze can be hard. Like I look at even our own product and of course I consider our product awesome. Uh, you know, today we focus on POS, e-com, club, CRM. When it comes to your website though, we don't have a content management system. We decide that we want to allow wineries to use any content management system out there. So they could use WordPress or Craft CMS or something like that. Uh, we wanted to be the best at e-com. We knew we weren't going to be the best at content management. And so wineries have to struggle through finding a WordPress partner plus making a decision for us. Right? You know, so we've struggled trying to, you know, in the past, I think wineries wanted an all-in-one solution. That was something that we were pushing when I was at Wine Direct. But today, I think uh, people know they need a best of breed, right? And so yeah, sometimes you know, it makes um, the choices in the integration. Overall. For us as an, as an agency, uh, one of the one of the things that, you know, we offer is that kind of um, point of contact, you know, because we, we'll work with um, other vendors and, like you say, best of breed agencies, companies, you know, in the business, like such as your, such as yours and, you know, make sure that, um, the customer's needs are met. And, uh, so yeah, it's, it's often very important for wineries to find that partner, um, that can, that can not only deliver one piece of the solution, but also can work with other folks in the, in the space and perhaps make recommendations and referrals. You know, uh, well, obviously you're on the agency side of things, so you get to play with a lot of vendors, but it's also hard getting those vendors sometimes to talk. Like we look at MailChimp as being the, one of the best email tools for yep. small businesses, right? And now you need your e-com to talk to it. And now you have your mass email going through there, but how do we get your transaction email going through there? And, all of those types of things, uh, we do rely on agencies to put some of those solutions like that together. Yeah. Well, and that all, that all kind of, um, really the foundation for that is, is, is a good CRM system. So, um, and I, and I know that, that Commerce 7 has one. Can you tell me a little bit about that and, you know, how clients are using it, um, for, 
not only keep a track of, of orders and stuff, but are they using it for like email marketing and marketing automation? Uh, CRM is interesting. I believe, and I believe this for a long time, I believe the customer is more important than the transaction. And for a long time in retail, we've really focused on the transaction when we really need to focus on the customer. In enterprise and B2B, we've done pipeline management, we've used Salesforce, we've done all this type of stuff, but we're not really doing this in DTC yet. Commerce 7, our CRM solution, like our entire solution, it's 100% API based. So it's pretty easy to connect our CRM to a world-class email solution like MailChimp, or if you're on the enterprise side for a winery, you could use something like Premier Seller or iPost. Our CRM is extremely flexible and extensible. You could create your own custom attributes. So if you want to track your customers' dogs' names or something like that inside our CRM, it's possible. You know, our CRM is fully internationalized. We work with Opus pretty hard to have 92 different countries inside our system. We validate addresses across those countries. We validate phone numbers across those. We allow multiple email addresses. And so, you know, we're starting to see... I believe, while people buy Commerce 7 today for our point of sale, for our club, for our e-com, the future is all about the customer. And I've always believed that. Um, and the CRM solutions, the marketing automation, the journey automation, just that whole customer story is becoming more and more, or that cu customer path um, is becoming more and more important. And wineries are starting to uh, pick up on that, to buy on that. Um, some of the stuff that Paul Mabry is doing over at Emetry with customer data that he's pulling out of Commerce 7. I've seen some reports he did, he did for William Chris and a few other people, and they're absolutely amazing when you have an open CRM like our Commerce 7 uh, system. So, yeah, people are using our CRM for all sorts of different things. Marketing, automation, email marketing are definitely a way to go in that. But I would typically plug our system into email marketing, such as MailChimp or Premier Seller or iPost or one of those other great email programs. And there's third parties that have uh, provided little connectors that are um, that are next to free yeah, yeah, to yeah, do yeah. that. Um, we've, we've done that um, for a number of different solutions ourselves. So give me a practical scenario um, in which one of your clients is, is already employing Commerce 7. Sure. So at Commerce 7, we're barely a year old, but we have 150 wineries have already embraced wow, our technology. Uh, largest clients would be people like Constellation who've moved all their brands over. We have mid-sized wineries, like a winery like William Chris in Texas, who I think is the largest DTC winery in Texas moved over. Uh, we have a number of small wineries, small people like Twisted Oak or Newsom Harlow or these 5,000 case wineries that uh, have moved over to our system. So let me give you uh, just two, I guess, real quick examples. One is if you have the August issue of Wine Business Monthly, it has a great article about Constellation and how they're using Commerce 7. And they're doing some really cool things there. Uh, they do have some custom programming uh, inside the system with their star shipping and other things through there. But Marion mentions that they have seen some growth rates on their e-com side of around 35%. And that's really, really cool. Another, uh, something that's more relatable, I guess, to more wineries would be someone like Twisted Oak uh, using, um, Twisted Oak was an early user of our personalization engine to connect with his customers. And Jeff at Twisted Oak uh, really, he does some really cool stuff for his customers. But if you go to Twisted Oak, right on the homepage, if you're a club member on the homepage, you're going to see your next club shipment. You're going to be able to edit your package and stuff on your homepage. If you're a repeat customer, they're going to try and push you into the club on the homepage. If you've never been there before, he's going to really emphasize coming to the tasting room. So, so Twisted Oak today is using our personalization tools in a big way. I think he's got about five or six different personalization blocks right on his homepage that he's using to feed up different personal messages uh, to customers. And we've been tracking that sometime later in September, we're going to announce some data around how well our personalizations are doing, but I'm really impressed with the results that we're seeing. Um, it's just, you know, Amazon's done this for years. You go to the Amazon homepage and they'll show you products that they think you want. For wineries, if I'm a red wine drinker and I go to Twisted Oaks page, should I not see the red wine or why, you know, like, should I not see the wine that I'm most likely to buy and stuff? And we're starting to see that our customers use that. Um, 
you know, uh, and so Jeff's, Jeff at Twisted Oaks really using our personalization tools to really target his, his customers and create a great experience for his customers. Tell me a little bit about how Commerce 7 came to be. Um, so I had uh, I left Wine Direct in January 2016. And, and Wine Direct was, uh, well, for, first it started as VIN65, and I sold it, to, as you mentioned, to Wine Direct in 2012. I went on to be a VP, the CEO, and then finally the president at Wine Direct when I left. And it was definitely a, some life-changing lessons inside there, a really great experience for me. Had some good mentors in there. Got to work with some venture capitalists in there. But by the time I was done there and had 220 employees as the president, I wasn't having as much fun as when it was a small company when I was building the technology myself. I left there to go to Mexico for a month and then to Costa Rica for a couple months. And I really started diving into some data and some analytics and some of the technology around, they call it artificial intelligence or machine learning, but it's basically a logarithms to read data. And this is, so I really got to truly geek out and do some fun things again. While I was down there, I was uh, playing around with some products that I thought I could bring to retail market around uh, just doing some predictive analytics, that kind of stuff. And I came back to Canada and I wasn't doing much of anything for a good number of months. And in 2017, Opus One uh, hit me up and they're looking to, uh, you know, their, their current e-com platform uh, was doing a decent job for them, but they wanted to ship to more countries. They wanted to get, you know, uh, create some better experiences around what they're doing in, around the international market. And I thought this would be a fun project. And I just thought, like, you know, we'll build a, a one-off website for Opus One. Um, you know, they don't have, they don't discount their products. They have a low skew count. Um, they're really focused on the customer experience, really focused on that international market. And I thought, hey, we could do some stuff here, uh, some pretty cool things. That is where, like, hey, allowing people to, you know, for instance, uh, select when the wine's going to get delivered to their house. Not the ship date, but the delivery date and just working all that math backwards. And that was a good little project. And through that project, um, Constellation and I came in contact and they were mentioning that they were looking to, you know, expand what they were doing on the e-com side. And at that point, I thought, you know, it might be fun to get back in and do this again. We had built some core code for Opus. Uh, we ended up migrating all that, changing the technology platform, but uh, Constellation ended up being basically one of the early uh one of the first customers up on Commerce 7. And that's how it all started. So this uh, previous contacts, just doing what I love, which is more writing code than talking to people or managing employees. That's how I ended up uh, doing this all over again. So what's the, uh, what's the ideal client look like for you? I feel that there's lots of ideal clients. I like small and mid-sized wineries because I feel like we can make the biggest difference there, right? Um, I feel I love, uh, you know, people, someone like Newsom Harlow, where he goes from having this standard club to doing a user choice club and creating some of these benefits around us and phoning me up right after his first club and goes, damn, I wish I would have done this a year or two years ago, you know, and then I like look through his stats and see, you know, how, how much more he sold this way around. So those are always fun. I find myself, I am a small business myself, so I do like working with uh, small and mid-sized uh, businesses. Today, uh, the ideal client for us is someone who really wants to grow their DTC business, who wants to push the bar a little bit, who wants to push us a little bit. Um, you know, I love having these conversations with wineries uh, where we could go and figure out how we could just move the needle a little bit or, you know, pushes on on some of that. So those would be ideal clients for us. We're trying to um, we're trying to work this time around with a lot of partners, uh, be really open around our partners, treat our partners well. So, you know, I actually look at um, some of who we're trying to sell to more people like you and an agency more so than the wineries themselves. And so I do love talking to agencies who are wanting to, you know, try different marketing things, uh, some of which will fail. I know, uh, but this, this go, well, you know, I've had so much failure in my life on different things. It's been kind of fun and it is how we learn. So I do want to, um, you know, <laughs> I guess ideal clients to today for us are more, 
people like you, like in an agency more so than, than a given winery, but yeah, because we know that you could go out and you could create a whole marketing plan uh, for including, you know, stuff we're not involved in, like print marketing and including some tourism, including social and all of that and tie that back together. And then just come and ask us, like, how can we track our social back to our web or how can we look at what's happening with our reservations back to like, is it creating more business for us and this type of stuff, right? So those would be um, ideal clients for us today. So uh, thanks, Andrew, for joining me on the uh, show today. Uh, for those uh, that would like to get a hold of Andrew, um, I will include his his contact info in the show notes as well as um, you know what we did at the top of the hour. So uh, thank you very much for listening and thank you, Andrew. For our discussion this week, we're joined by three additional experts in the field of winery e-commerce. He built his first website in 1998 before the plethora of web tools available today. For the past 20 years, he's helped companies establish an online presence and sell products through e-commerce. He's the proprietor of GM, JMB Consulting and founder of Wine in the Web, a company that builds hybrid solutions for wineries implementing simple technologies to create a big impact. He's also a mean guitarist. It's James Marshall Berry. How you doing, Michael? Glad to be here. She has more than 15 years of experience in the Oregon wine industry. She is currently the director of consumer experience at Montanor Estate Winery in North Willamette Valley. Since joining the winery, she's increased online sales by 59%. She believes strongly that providing great experiences grows customers, loyalty, and sales, and prides herself on offering personalized customer service. It's Sarah Horner. Hi, thanks for having me. Great to have you on. Since 2012, sorry, sorry, since 2002, he has been El Jefe of Twisted Oak Winery in the Sierra Foothills. Before that, he worked as a brilliant engineer in technology companies. Uh, for over a decade, Jeff has been a leader in the wine digital space and is well known for his offbeat humor and brilliance. If you've seen a rubber chicken anywhere at a wine event, chances are this man will be in residence. I give you Jeff Stye. Howdy. And finally, she's the peanut butter to my jelly, the grilled cheese to my tomato soup. VP Client Relations at Balzac Communications, my colleague and co-host, Emma Crisswell. Hello. Great to have you guys all on. Thank you so much for joining me. So today we're talking about e-commerce pitfalls for wineries, which is why I've asked these uh, experts on. And so um, I'd like to kind of kick things off, if I may, with just uh, asking uh, James what you see as some of the, give me like one common pitfall that you see with wineries right now. Oh, one of the most common uh, pitfalls I see is, um, you know, as we know, all wineries um, do things a little bit different and all wineries are fairly sure the exact way they do it is the only way it could ever possibly work. So you see somebody leaving one um, winery environment and they go to a new environment and they're sure they need their previous e-commerce solution deployed at their new winery, but they haven't really thought through what what it is that their um, that their particular needs are at the new organization? I mean, they may need us. They may have needed a strong POS presence at the previous winery, whereas this winery is mainly private tasting. Doesn't have a large POS presence. It relies on allocations or something along those lines. In which case, maybe that prior solution isn't for you. I, I think jumping feet first into a solution because it's what we used to use is is something that we see a lot. Yeah, I see that. I've seen that a lot, actually. So, um, so Sarah and Jeff, um, as folks who actually work in in wineries um, and or own them, uh, what are some of the pitfalls that you've actually seen? How, you know, what kind of mistakes have you seen within your own organizations, or you know, um, at when you maybe came in, like Sarah, when you came into Montenor, you know, what was it like? Sarah, why don't we start with you? 
Sure. When I first started at Montenor, the priority had been more in the three-tier market and a little bit less consumer-facing. So it was a little bit like starting from scratch, which that has pluses and minuses, obviously. Uh, One thing that we struggle with, I think, the most is getting product in our consumers' hands in an efficient and cost-effective way. And I think that does prevent a lot of online sales and opportunities. Okay, Jeff? Oh, golly, where do you begin? Um, We've always been very DTC-focused right from the beginning. It's very touristy up here, so you really count on the people coming through the door. But as far as e-commerce goes... Uh, one immediate thing I can think of is getting onto a new platform and charging in and doing stuff and not thoroughly testing it. Uh, I've changed platforms. Gosh, what now? I'm on my fourth platform right now. And I remember jumping on a previous one and getting a club set up and doing a club shipment. And gee, uh, when do we charge them for shipping? <laughs> so don't make those mistakes. Test things. <laughs> So, uh, so why are you on your fourth implementation then? Uh, just because I'm finicky that way, I guess. Actually, it's it's a sense of more seizing the opportunity to expand what you're already doing. Uh, the first platform we were on, actually, I think I built my first website in 1995 or something like that. That was pretty ridiculous. That's back when pages were gray, but there's people here who weren't boring when that was like. Uh, Anyway, uh, (laughs) uh, we were using pretty much a PC-based system. It didn't give us any presence out on the internet. You know, we could do orders, we could do wine club, but it was all in the building. And so we did the initial jump to a a web-based system, and that was huge. Uh, Later on, that particular system kind of stagnated. We uh, looked around, found a new system that was growing, it was active. We jumped on that. And I'm not going to name names, obviously, but uh, then recently we jumped onto our current platform because of the opportunity to really personalize the experience for the customer. So, um, and to get into the nuts and bolts of it, and that part I'm really enjoying now. So, different reasons, but uh, um, always trying to expand our service and what we can offer. So, Jeff, you're kind of talking to one of the points that I um, was going to try and make and ask about in that having a updated SEO optimized website, you know, how important is that to the whole getting a purchase to be completed and getting somebody to um, come back to your website and buy your products again and again? Um, I think it's pretty important to have it be modern looking. Uh, the customer gets a certain comfort level from from seeing a familiar metaphor. And when you've got Amazons and, you know, other big people out there, you know, really creating a, a smooth experience, your six-year-old clunky experience starts to, to, to hurt you because people are like, what is this? I feel like I'm on a, like on a 30-year-old school bus or something when I should be zipping around. So... That's that's a big motivator. So having so having something that's current um, in terms of um, visual appeal is is what you're saying, Jeff. Uh, yes, visual appeal, but also simply in the way you interact with it. If it's clunky, if it's asking questions more than once, if uh, I'm not going to think of any good example here, probably because that's not even a real example. But uh, what's another example? Um, just the way uh, credit card handling is a good one. You want the credit card handling to to look like it's got all of the modern protections and stuff like that. If you're you know still entering it into a website on a clunky form, that's not going to fly for anybody. I don't think anymore. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. So James, you know how how do you feel about um, you know whether what how SEO is important to uh, e-commerce? Well, SEO um, is important to e-commerce and the fact that it's important to websites in general. <clears throat> People have an idea that, oh, we want to rank number one for red wine. And I can assure you that wine.com spends millions of dollars making sure 
their world ranks for red wine or things like that, or Amazon will be doing it soon. But uh, speaking to Jeff's point of having multiple platforms, that's kind of been what I've seen so many times and kind of our, our new mantra, not to sell myself or anything, but it's um, don't tie your entire web world to one e-commerce solution because something bigger, better, faster, more could be right around the corner. And your finance department just sunk 20 grand into a website. You've trained your staff and your own website could be the whole thing keeping you back from moving forward in e-commerce um, provision. So, you know, our whole thing is you know, own, own your website and just marry yourself to the e-commerce because that way you can go from, you know, say Wine Direct or to Vine Spring or maybe Orderport. You've decided you were going to, for whatever reason, run their e-commerce. At least the majority of your website is still in one platform that your marketing people know how to use that you can manage that you don't have to worry about new SEO functions or page redirects or things like that. So, uh, but as far as SEO to a winery website, I don't, you know, I mean, I think of myself, I find information about websites, uh, about wineries on, you know, with with SEO and I'll look at them, but I can't say that I've actually bought wine from a website, completely sight unseen and, and brand unaware, uh, just going, oh, this looks good. I'll spend 40 bucks on a bottle of wine from this wine I've never tasted and know nothing about. So it's important to get your, to 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 show up in what you're relevant to. Like if I'm looking for foot wineries in the Sierra Foothills, I would hope Twisted Oak would show up. Or if I'm in Willamette, I would hope Sarah, um, Sarah's Winery would show up. But, you know, if I'm looking for, you know, it's important to, Focus your um, your search so that it's realistic to what it is you are, not an overall um, strategy of I want to be found for wine because that's just never going to happen. Sarah, did you have did you have thoughts on on SEO and you know I mean what are you guys doing at Montenor regarding uh, SEO to drive better drive traffic to the site and hopefully well let let me, let me rephrase this. You inc- when you started at Montenor, you increased e-commerce sales um, by almost sixty percent. So how how did you do that? Right, I I I will add that I helped to do that with a with a with my team, but um, it was kind of an untapped resource to be honest. And we smartened up the look of our website first um, in the attempt to make it more user friendly, and then we we really focused our messaging. Uh, we're a, a biodynamic farm. So we have over 200 acres that we biodynamically farm and we're an organic, certified organic winery as well. And that's really important to a lot of folks. So by honing that message and our marketing team that we have um, helped us um, to do that. So people in search of that sort of responsible winemaking and farming were we're coming to our website. So how so so how did you I mean what did you do to implement so like that 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 people found you better? You know it was it was a it was a collaborative um, it was collaborative in the in the sense that we had a PR firm that helped us get our messaging out about environmental responsibility so we were getting more traction in the media. Um, we we worked on our own email list and cultivated that list in the tasting room and grew that. That was something that had not been, not many folks were paying attention to so that we got a more robust mailing list and we could reach out and, and talk to them about what we, what we had going on at the winery in the vineyard specials and whatnot. So it was, it was a, it was a multi-departmental effort. Got it. So speaking of PR, then, if you're going on that track, I know just working directly with um, some other wineries that typically the outlets will want like a wine.com URL to go for purchase or an Amazon if it's something else, whatever. Uh, How does that work for you? Do you find that traffic gets to you that they look at wine.com and then they see, oh, I'd rather buy it from your website? You know, have you had experience with that? I have not had experience with that actually. And um, we, I mean, our what we have available out in the world is is a is a fraction of what we actually have at the winery. So people looking for uh, a deeper dive into Montenor have to come to us. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I guess that was kind of where I was getting that maybe something national like that would be a bit of a wedding of the whistle, as it were, <laughs> to get <laughs> somebody to really come to you and pay better attention to what you're offering. It, it is. And I do try to reach out to folks who are first time customers with us online. I keep I, I keep tabs on that. And I, I like to find out what compelled them to come to the website. So that helps us craft our message further and figure out what's working and what isn't. And a lot of times that's true. It's, they had the wine somewhere, um, they, you know, at a store or whatnot, and wanted to look further. And, and we have it set up like that, um, you know, by intention. So, okay. Um, so James, So one of the pitfalls you mentioned was uh, marrying yourself to one platform, right? And basically... For, for your entire website. Right. So what that means basically is that it's, you know, it, I think we need to explain to listeners what that means because, you know, when somebody sees a website, they're only seeing what's on the front half of that website, right? And there's a lot of stuff that goes on behind the scenes that uh, control a, what the client or what the customer sees, but also things like, you know, what, what the order taking is um, compliance, shipping, you know, all that stuff happens on the back end. Um, and the, the problem as I see it is like, if somebody says, well, I'm just going to, I'm going to build everything on this platform. Uh, and then they decide, well, this platform is not really working for me. Then they have to rebuild it on another platform, right? Yeah. And any, 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 uh, e-commerce platform that you're going to change from is going to require that particular backend stuff to be migrated. And that's typically the most costly part of the thing. Um, what, you know, getting your credit cards moved from one system to another can be absolutely a daunting task as well as if you want, you know, if you have a hundred thousand lines of order history that go back 10 years with 8,000 customers, that's a boatload of data. And then getting that data cleaned up and ready for migration is a whole nother uh, ball of wax. But um, from from my take, you know, that's going to be a cost that's going to have to be carried no matter what you do if you change a platform. But our take is that the, why, the About Us page the winery dog page, the home page, those are things, you know, things that you would use for marketing. Those are things that could be built in a platform that might not be a, you know, a template based system in that particular um, wine e-commerce. They all offer templates. They're all relatively easy to set up. They're quicker. They're less expensive. But then again, you're, it's almost like golden handcuffs. It's like, well, our entire website lives there. We can't just leave for this one new e-commerce feature when we'd have to rebuild in every single thing. Uh, rebranding an e-commerce area so it looks the same as your website is 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 trivial. It takes no time at all. It, moving the data is not trivial, but you'd be doing that no matter what you did. So the idea is to. Um, and winery commerce websites are they're 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 never going to be bleeding edge uh, when it comes to technology or social media or social sharing or even when it comes to SEO or Google Tag Manager or a lot of the new technologies they're they're built for stability and even to consider that they would be leading edge is probably pushing it so you can take your website that maybe it's built on WordPress maybe it's built in something else whether it's Squarespace or Wix or whatever you decide um, those are going to have more leading edge technologies when it comes to things like social sharing and Google and SEO than a platform that's built more for stability that might have 1500 clients on it. And they can't deploy this stuff for fear that it might bring other clients' websites down. So there's a number of advantages to having a big chunk of your website on a standard platform that you manage well. And, you know, then your e-commerce, um, you know, like I say, the, the customer shouldn't know that they're on a different page. You can easily make it, make it so that the the e-commerce area, to a point, and have access. There are some platforms we just don't have access to, and where you're, you're beholden to as good as we can get it. I mean, we've married GoDaddy shopping carts to uh, to WordPress websites, and we'd had little or no control of that, but we made them look as good as we could. But th that's my take: is that you you know you open yourself up to the ability to do more things if you own a good chunk of your website and just leave the e-commerce portion to that. Do you have a preference for um, systems, James, or um, I mean, how do you feel about that? 
Well, we're primarily a WordPress house and we tend to stay away from a lot of the pre-built themes and that's mainly for SEO purposes. A lot of these large themes have um, a lot of visual, a lot of resources that load that are unnecessary. You might, you might get three different slideshow options or all these wonderful features in the back end that don't load, that slow your site time down and, uh, or that have the opportunity to break. So we tend to build cleaner. Uh, I don't really have a, you know, WordPress is definitely the platform we like, but unless there's a compelling reason, we would rather just custom code the site from basically scratch instead of using page builders and pre-built templates and themes. But then again, there's, it gets you up and going quick with a clean looking website for not much money, but you'll, it might not like any templated site, it'll get you 80% of happy. And if you can live with that 20% that it can't do that you would need custom code on, then, then that's a good deal. But if you want a particular look and feel or a particular functionality, you're better off building it from scratch than relying on a plugin that somebody else built that may or may not be supported or in addition to a theme that may uh, lose its support in a year or two. So WordPress is definitely the platform. There's lots of options. Um, but um, we, we tend to like to do build exactly what the website needs to do for Can them. Can I chime in? Yeah, I was just actually going to go to you, Jeff. <laughs> okay. Uh, we have come from a world where I was, my first website, I coded in HTML, literally. And, uh, Me and, too, Jeff. Yeah. That's dating us quite a bit, actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mine is still out there. Totally. Uh, so the... Uh, after that, I moved to completely hosted websites where my my e-commerce provider was providing the entire platform. And since the beginning of this year, I finally transitioned over to the WordPress plus e-commerce model. And I am very happy with that. Um, I know that uh, um, building exactly what you want is really very compelling and, and when you have the budget for that. But I'm a small winery and I just wanted a website that worked. I love that... Um, WordPress and the templates that were built for me keeps me from from shooting myself. Uh, it works. It looks good no matter what I do. It's uh, it makes me put up the right size image. Um, um, I actually like those constraints. It's useful and it helps me to focus on the content and less on worrying about if the website's going to look good. So, Sarah, how uh, what kind of stuff do you guys have at Montenor in that regard? Well. Um... I know that I use uh, the platform previously used by Jeff because we know each other from troubleshooting those the issues we had with that platform. So we're still using that that platform, which um, provides all of our functions, um, our e-commerce, our club management, our point of sale. It's all in the one spot. I'm just thinking with this whole conversation and how much collective experience we have with our three guests here. What if you are a new winery who maybe hasn't had enough inventory to put an e-commerce platform in place, or maybe you're just hiring a marketing department to get that started for you. What are things that you would say you have to have in any platform? And what are some things that you have found over the years that you would definitely avoid? Great question. <laughs> Anybody? <laughs> wow, crickets. <laughs> I was waiting for the actual winery people. I I worked at a winery for ten years, but I was just in the tasting room. So I, uh, you know, I, I I have pain points and things from a number of clients I could I could share. But I was kind of hoping maybe uh, Sarah and Jeff could chime in and with real life uh, experience. Well, for... no, go ahead, James. I think if you have some. Well, I I, I think it's the I, I think it's the whole. This is good enough for now. Yeah, whole train of thought that ends up messing people up. It's like, okay, well, we're going to start a wine, we're going to have a wine club, and I'm just going to manage it in Excel, and not thinking that you know, for me, you have to plan to be ultra successful. If you're going to have an e-commerce solution, plan on it. You know, shoot for look. I'm going to have a thousand orders a day. If I get those thousand orders a day, what's going to happen? 
I don't have people that can put this wine in boxes, ship it. I don't have uh, the ability to manually check compliance. Um, and if I'm going to have, you know, wine club, uh, okay, well, I, I've got 10 wine club customers now. That's great. I can run those batches in Excel. If you've got a thousand wine clubs that you have to batch on credit cards, that's going to take you two weeks. So, you know, the biggest thing to do is, okay, you may be little now and you may not need to spend the money right now on, on, a, on all the bells and whistles. But plan on being where you're going to be. Don't don't build for where you are. Build for where you want to end up. And I, I see that a lot. It's like, well, we did all this because we didn't think X, Y, Z. And then they end up five years from now actually being successful. And it's their own lack of just looking into the future that is, is keeping them from being as successful as they could be. Uh, Stephen Covey, one of the seven habits of highly effective people is begin with the end in mind. And I think that there are a few few people, especially you know, in the marketing field, who who have that idea. It's basically it's like you know they just build something for now. It's like we got to do something now. <laughs> so unfortunately, guys, um, we're we're out of time. I'd love really love to thank uh, James, Sarah, Emma, Jeff. Thank you so much for being on the show with us today. It was a great discussion. I'd love to have you all on at a later date. But for now, on to the next segment. Hi, everyone. It's Emma here with this episode's tip of the week, organic SEO optimization. SEO is something that's talked about quite a bit with regards to organic search and sales, but it doesn't have to be difficult. There are three major ways to boost your site's SEO without giving yourself a major headache. First, utilize your homepage's footer as an opportunity to include keyword-rich text that will draw customers via organic searches. It's a great way to include a lot without crowding the homepage itself. Second, make sure every page on your site that is important to you utilizes custom keyword content. This way, customers are more likely to find exactly what they're looking for via search. While you're at it, you can throw in attention-grabbing title tags to get your pages clicked on instead of others. Would you rather click on the title, 10 Ways Balzac Can Boost Your Sales, or Balzac Client Testimonials When Searching for Ways to Improve Sales Through Marketing? You be the judge. Finally, include lots of internal links on your homepage. Arguably, this is the page that most that will be most looked at, so it's important to make sure there is continuity and clear flow here. If a customer lands on your page and wants to know what your service rates are, for example, but it's not clear how to get to that integral component of your business from this page, they're going to go somewhere else to find what they're looking for. Think about it from the end. How do you want your customers to find you? And what do you want their experience to be when they get there? I hope you enjoyed this week's tip. Go forth and optimize your SEL. Until next week, I'm Emma Criswell. This has been Hit the Bottle, a production of Balzac Communications and Marketing. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or wherever you find your podcasts. If you like this podcast, please rate and review the show. Thank you for joining us. Until next week.